Welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Hello, my name is Alan Collins. Welcome to our latest podcast. I'm joined today by my colleagues Hannah Hodson and Danielle Vincent. Hi, Danny. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Alan. Hi, listeners. Thank you for joining us. Before we get underway with this latest podcast, which is about voyeurism and, in particular, 24 hours in police custody and its episode on voyeurism. I need to remind you all that we discuss sensitive subjects that can be distressing as well as troubling. It's invariably concerned often with child abuse and sexual abuse generally. So if you think you're going to be troubled by any of that, now is the time to switch off and go and do something else. Otherwise, please do stay with us. So as I said a few moments ago, we're going to be discussing voyeurism and how this featured in the latest episode of 24 Hours in Police Custody. And it's you, Hannah, who have suggested that we discuss this in this podcast. So I'm going to hand over to you to explain by way of some background or an intro as to what featured in 24 Hours in Police Custody. Yeah, thanks, Alan. So um, I thought this would be a good one to talk about. If anyone doesn't know what 24 Hours in Police Custody is, it's a programme on Channel 4 by Bedfordshire Police. So it basically films different cases that the force deal with. So the latest one, I think it was actually on last week, was on voyeurism. So this case followed a man who was convicted of voyeurism. I think he, I think the case was actually in Luton. And the episode basically highlighted how his behaviour, the perpetrator, escalated from filming women without their consent to then going on to raping someone. And I think that's kind of what the episode was trying to portray to people that, you know, voyeurism, which people might, if you watch the episode, the perpetrator was sort of trying to say, you know, he hadn't raped her. He was just filming someone, you know, trying to make out that it wasn't as bad you know, as raping someone. But I think the point was to portray that actually people who start doing these types of offences do progress onto much more serious offences such as rape. So this victim, she was a young woman who um, was on a night out in Luton. I think it was a Saturday night. I think she was drunk and she wasn't let back into a pub or a club. And as a result, she started to walk home. I think she went down an alleyway And I think she had a wee down the alleyway and he was basically lurking the perpetrator. And that's when he filmed her without her consent and raped her. Yeah, all sounds pretty grim. I suppose there may be some thoughts or feelings that, oh, voyeurism, voyeurism is just, you know, the classic sort of, I don't know, peeping Tom type scenario. But that's really sort of belittling what is in fact a serious offence which can cause a lot of distress and like you're saying can escalate to you know even more serious crime not that voyeurism isn't necessarily always serious anyway and you know you've only got to look at social media and see 
complaints of often seems always to be men on on track filming without consent you've got you know upskirting and that these types of problems and issues so it's quite a sort of common scenario if i can put it like that which sort of suggests perhaps a sense of entitlement in some quarters as to why they think they can behave in that way but of course i think what you're getting at Hannah, is is that the program demonstrates how the sort of offending can escalate and in the case that you're talking about resulting in extremely serious um, crimes being committed. When we were discussing this Hannah before recording this you were saying as apologies I haven't watched the episode that there was an issue in regards to to DNA and actually all the, the video footage on his phone went towards supporting the you know, with, without the lack of DNA evidence that this was still likely to have been enough to get a prosecution. Yeah, exactly. So it was a real, I mean, the way they filmed this was really good, actually, because as I was saying to you, Danny, at the beginning of the episode, I really thought he was innocent. He came across very well in his interviews. He was very keen to get forensics done. And the forensics actually came back and, you know, didn't link him to anything. But it was actually when they got a hold of his phone and they recovered lots and lots not just in relation to this victim but lots of different video footage of this guy you know he was daily walking down the streets putting his phone over people's fences if people were sort of sunbathing topless things like that he was even filming people through their windows getting up the shower like you know people down his street so I think that's what really sort of helped get the conviction. We uh, a couple of years ago actually had a, a similar case but it was in the workplace Alan if you remember we had somebody who the two employees and um, one was filming the other over the toilet cubicle okay, yeah, right. and in the end that individual was liable and ended up having to pay out of his personal pocket damages and costs mm. for the filming yeah. of this so you know I think this is a great case to highlight Hannah and this series generally does cover really difficult topics this type of behavior can take place not just on the street in a nightclub but you know in the workplace technology is always getting better and better we've seen and we haven't actually covered it on a podcast but I've seen a lot where people are now taking in detectors to Airbnbs to see if there's secret cameras. We've obviously had the MXX case that came out as well in regards to secret filming. So I think we're going to see more and more of this, sadly, as technology gets better and better. Yeah, we had a case from a a hospital in South Wales where a senior doctor had set up cameras in the booths, I think it was, if I remember rightly, and had filmed dozens and dozens and dozens of patients and yeah it's devastating you often don't think about it as well it's a certain you, you know gym changing rooms and things like that you you just go in and expect it to all be you know confidential but yeah. you know even the staff there and the premises there, they don't know who's going in beforehand and linking up cameras and as they say with technology these days it's not exactly obvious that you've got big chunky recording materials or you know you've got wires anywhere because lots of things are wireless now that's why I think there's going to be more of these types of cases coming forward. Yeah I mean it's being reported an epidemic of of this sort of crime happening at the moment I know the CPS have said you know the measures that people are taking to capture images and, and videos you know as technology is developing it's becoming extreme 
from March 2019 to March 2020, the police recorded just under 11,000 cases of exposure and voyeurism, according to the Office for National Statistics. And out of those, you know, just under 11,000, there was only 594 cases that were taken to court. However, of those cases that went, 435 did result in guilty verdicts. So of the ones that were proceeded, that's quite a high amount. And I always think with statistics like this, this is people that become aware of what's happened to them or people that are actually brave enough to go to the police and report it. Because I'm sure like many of our survivors that we speak to, that you know, they can be in of embarrassment that they don't want even more people to see the images you know having to go and speak to the police or in a courtroom so I imagine this is as we always say the tip of the iceberg with figures. Yeah exactly and especially with this type of crime I mean the the victim in you know in this case which Bedfordshire police filmed she actually had no idea that she was being filmed and as I mentioned before he'd filmed so many other women he obviously had an interest in women weeing in the street and there was a lot of videos of that and and Bedfordshire police did say you know they tried to reach out to the other victims but they couldn't really identify them so yeah it's really scary to think you know how many other victims there are out there that just have no idea. And I think you've mentioned in preparation for this Hannah a case of where two men had arranged to visit a shopping centre to upskirt women and then they swapped images over WhatsApp and of course they got into serious trouble because it's you know have they images of children leaving that point to one side it almost suggests that these people who do this think that their behavior is somehow victimless but of course it, it isn't yeah. mm-hmm. you know you just think why would you behave like that given that you are likely to end up in serious trouble and go to prison yeah it's almost as if they it's as if you know they think in their brains that But sadly, we're also looking at this in this respect of children now younger and younger and younger, really young these days, probably primary school age. And then you've got situations like we now all have airdrop on your phone. So you can send a picture message to all different strangers. I had an example of this as somebody I know told me they had to reprimand their teenage son because he went to a football game and sent everyone that was in the vicinity airdrop of something at, you know, the other the, the other teams, something juvenile like that. But but in the same instance, you could share an indecent image. And if you've got your airdrop on, that image not only is on your phone, imagine if that's a child-related pornography image. So, you know, that's then on your technology, so the stress you've got, but also you've got these images. But the tech of things like that and then having it with younger children who may find this quite funny, not understanding the implications. Again, with upskirting, you can see that being young teenagers, it's an element of, you know, should they be old enough to have the phones? But parents give phones these days because of safety measures as well. So it's a real balance. And I don't think parents necessarily know what their children are doing or the ability. Don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think the thought crosses their minds, in my experience. You know, until I had this conversation to a friend, I actually didn't know that you could, I know that you can airdrop to your friends, but I didn't know that you could airdrop an image to, you know, everybody at mm. the same time that's got their airdrop on. I, I find that quite frightening. Yeah, I think it's definitely, you know, the element of, especially children becoming normalised to it. As you say, Danny, like young children are being given social media, phones, they don't necessarily understand the implications. And when you've got apps like Snapchat where they think the picture can just be deleted mm-hmm. or, you know, they're not understanding, you know, the implications of it. And I think with 
how accessible porn is and, and things like this to children it's almost like they're normalized to it and yeah it's, which is it's, then when you get the the things like we're talking about now and you know even that there are shows these days that push everything to to the limit don't they you know and so are you trying to then get one up on your other friends I just think it's a dangerous element technology young people and this type of risky behavior because you know I'm sure this man never thought that he was going to be caught videoing women in that mm. vulnerable state. Well that's going to bring us on to a forthcoming podcast that will be um, broadcasting to use an old-fashioned word very soon and that's about the Online Safety Act which um, deals with all things IT so to speak and um, its misuses. So on that note we'll draw this podcast to a close and invite everyone to tune in to the next podcast so as always if you're listening and you have any thoughts or comments please do not hesitate to contact us otherwise it's goodbye from me it's goodbye from danny and it's goodbye from hannah bye listeners bye listeners thank you for listening to this episode of hj talks about abuse You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk.